0: Welcome to the next edition of Morgan You Asked For podcast. And again, this week, we'll be joined by Trevor Voss here on our NFL Weekly podcast. You know, we're getting almost halfway through the season. Uh, Teams are starting to figure out if if they are or not. Uh, Teams are going to be playoff contenders and stuff. And that's going to be one of our topics uh, later on uh, this episode. Um, But first, let's just kind of review the week uh, that we just had. Um, The Lions over the Falcons. Uh, The Falcons, I think I heard this right, the third time this year and then obviously the fourth time when you had the Super Bowl a few years ago that they had a 99% win probability and lost the football game Um, with Todd Gurley scoring when he shouldn't have and then the Lions go down and scoring a touchdown on the last play with uh,
1: the pride of Sheraton, Iowa, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, normally this isn't a game we'd probably cover uh, concerning the Falcons are really bad and the Lions, you know, they're kind of a middle of the pack team, I guess you'd say. But Todd Gurley scores at the end of the game. And right before he scores, he has that. He knows that he shouldn't score yet because there's time left on the clock. And he tried to get down. He didn't, he couldn't make it happen. And Lions get the ball back. And I think I saw a stat earlier. It's, it's tough to keep track of all these stats with ESPN and, all these different sites that come up, all the crazy ones. But I think Matt Stafford has like something like 78 wins in his career and 37 or fourth quarter comebacks, which kind of makes sense if you're playing for the Lions because you're usually probably going to be down. And again, I, I forget your buddy's name, who's a huge Falcons fan, but even though they fired their head coach, uh, they found another way to lose a game, probably have one Yeah, Ryan
0: O'Brien is just not a happy camper right now, but. He hasn't been since the Super Bowl loss. It's it's a better draft pick though for him. That's the that's the good thing here eventually. Um, and then you know next on our list here, uh, the Browns are five and two. Um, and I know we'll talk about them here in a few minutes, but just you know, it's not always pretty. It's not everything, but five and two is still five and two. I don't remember the last time the Browns were uh, three games over five hundred.
1: I doubt many Browns fans do. And before we get to them, just wanted to give a little shout out to the, the Bengals. Other than them getting blown out by Baltimore a few weeks ago, they haven't lost a game by more than five points this year. So obviously we've talked about Joe Burrow, looks really good as a rookie. So he, he looks good. I mean he's yeah. a real deal. I mean that's I think he is. It's you know, it's still a, a touch early, but we're we're starting to get the impression that he really is the franchise guy. And that's kind of – that's a team that is the total opposite of, say, the Jets or the Cowboys. Their record isn't good, but they're, they're playing really hard for their coach and just for their teammates in general. So that, that's a team to look out for next year that maybe could win six to eight games, pull off a few upsets if, if they get the offensive line fixed. Um, moving on to the Browns though, originally, five and two. I couldn't tell you last time they were five and two, at least in Cleveland. And, again, Baker Mayfield came out, uh, struggled on the first drive, I think it was, went 0 for 5, through a pick. Um, Odell Beckham, Jr. tried to trace down the defender, tore his ACL. Talk about that here in a sec. And then after that, I think he went 22 for 23. Yeah, almost perfect ACL. after that opening drive. Basically perfect. So we've talked about it in the weeks past. Baker does good, pretty good to really good versus the bad teams. It's when he faces the teams like the Steelers and the Ravens that he really struggles. And I know I talked about him maybe being on the hot seat. They have a pretty favorable schedule, actually the easiest schedule of of the season. So he'll probably put up some good, good games, some good stats moving forward. But again, when he gets to December, when they play the, the Ravens, the Steelers, and I think maybe the Titans even, he doesn't necessarily need to win those games. But he needs to keep a minute going to the fourth quarter. And you can pick whatever stat line you want. Say he needs to throw up for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns, no turnovers, you know, pick your stat line, but they can't keep getting blown out by those teams. They need to, they need to have a chance in the fourth quarter. So we'll see how Baker and the Browns do as we get toward the last month of the season.
0: Uh, and then next uh, the Steelers uh, beat the Titans. Uh, Titans fall from the ranks of the unbeaten. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but this, Steelers are the only one left,
1: correct? Steelers are the only yeah undefeated team left. They moved down. I know we're not going to do a top five this week. We'll do it every few weeks probably. Um, The only thing that I really was worried about the Steelers was Big Ben uh, making costly turnovers. And he did this versus the Titans. Now, it was on the road, but the Titans defense has been struggling this year. And he had a couple turnovers in the red zone. And now, more than ever, uh, you can't turn the ball over in the red zone as good as these offenses are and how the rules are set up. Basically, if you get to the midfield or you cross over into an opponent's territory, turnovers are just killers more than they were 10, 20 years ago. So that's really the only thing that has me worried about the Steelers. Other than that, uh, I think they'll be just fine. They have Big Ben, Mike Tomlin. It's a great run franchise and they have all the experience in the world. So that, that was a big one for them.
0: Yeah, just, you know, they, they got out to a big lead and then hung on for dear life, uh, but was able to pull off a real good win on the road at Tennessee against previously the unbeaten Titans. Um, and now, you know, kind of on our list was just Cowboys drama. And I, that's perfect for it. I mean, it's unbelievable it was coming out of, of Dallas. Um, on the game front, they got smoked by the Washington football team. And, you know, Andy Rolton got hurt. And I think this is just a microcosm of the whole thing. Nobody stepped up to help him or no one went to push anybody. Um, And I know it's different than it was, but I saw a highlight, you know, where Steve Young got, you know, kind of cheap shotted in the end zone and the entire 49er team just went and rocked. Actually, I think it was the Chicago Bears uh, that it was again, but just absolutely, I mean, essentially a fight broke out. Um, but it was just, you don't do that to a quarterback. Just like in hockey, if, if somebody gets into the goalie, the team's going to go, you know, start a fight. Um, and that just goes to show you what the team thinks of each other. I mean, I think, I mean, from everything I know, Andy Dalton is a stand-up dude. Um, he's kind of been put in a bad spot. Uh, but that's bad right there um, when your teammates don't stand up for you or stand up just for the quarterback and I don't care who it is or any teammate for that matter. Um, But things are not
1: looking good in Dallas right now. No, you're right. And uh, even though it wasn't Dak, it was still Andy Dalton. He's been a starter in the league for a long time. Uh, He's well-respected. He's from the state of Texas. And for him to take a hit like that, and you're right, for the teammates not to really stand up for him go get in the other team's face. I know there was a lot of former players, that were saying that they just they couldn't believe what they were watching. Normally the offensive line, even receivers would go push and shove some guys, even though maybe you shouldn't. Um, so that was pretty telling. And I can't remember who said it, and maybe multiple people have. The Cowboys seem like – they don't seem like a team. They just seem like a bunch of players or people that are wearing the same jersey right now. I would agree. Yeah. And that proved – that situation
0: proved it. I mean, they didn't care that their quarterback just got cheap-shotted. I mean, that was a bad play. That was an ugly looking play. You know, that that's the play that they're trying to get out of football. And that's where all this targeting rules and you can argue about that rule. And I think it's better in the NFL than in college. I think the college rules, you know, very touchy. Uh, but yeah, when you don't stand up for your teammates and and that proved it right there, it, it's,
1: uh, it's gonna be hard to win football games. It is. It, it seems like they've almost given up on the season. Um, uh, We'll get into some trades that they're making, people that they're releasing here in a little bit. But I, the Cowboys are making some changes, and it's more on a player front than a coaching front. Whether that's right or wrong, you know, time will tell. But we'll get into the Cowboys a little bit later. They're, they're a team that just seems to have just given up, basically. Absolutely. All right. And then, you know, the pound, the Packers bounce back, uh, and a nice win for them. You think if you're a really good team, a Super Bowl-containing team, you get embarrassed one week, you should bounce back the next. And they did exactly that. Uh, not that the Texans are a great team by any means, but they have Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt. They have some decent players. And Aaron Rodgers came out, looked great. Uh, Devontae Adams couldn't be stopped. I think he had close to like 200 yards receiving. And uh, they just dominated that game. So, again, they, they proved that even though they got pushed around by the Bucks the week before, they're going to be one of those teams in the NFC that it's going to be right there at the end. So not surprising. They did what they needed to do, and uh, we'll see what they do next week versus the Vikings, which I would assume that they would win. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. Um, the Bucks over the Raiders on uh, a real good game. You know, Tom Brady, you know, I think um, he has put himself – I know you love talking about the MVP and everything, but I think he has got to be in the conversation now as long as they keep winning – um, and then kind of the big news in this is Antonio Brown's first practice was today. And everything that I read and heard is he was, like Bruce Arians says, he was unbelievable, phenomenal,
1: everything that, you know, they want out of him. The Bucs and the Raiders, it was a close game uh, going into the third quarter. And then the Bucks' offense really came alive and kind of pulled away there. And that, that's two good wins in a row for the Bucks. As you said, Antonio Brown's going to join the team now. Or has. And I think he can come back. His first game back should be against the Saints. And I think that's a prime time game. Again, the Bucks have some wide receivers banked up. Chris Godwin had surgery on his finger, so he might miss a game or two, just depending on you know what type of surgery it was exactly and how well he can actually catch the ball coming back from that. Mike Evans has had a hamstring. So they need depth. And again, A B. You know, I get on the message boards. I don't really get on Twitter anymore because I don't have it. But a lot of people think it's a bad signing. It's not worth it. And, again, my thinking is, is you have Tom Brady. If Antonio Brown, for example, goes to the locker room at halftime raptor after game and is upset with the amount of targets he gets and maybe throws a chair or something, they'll just cut him. You know, they're, they're not going to put up with it. It's low risk. Again, as people that have been listening, we've talked about many times, it's a COVID year. You need depth. He's one of the best receivers to ever played the game. So I, I think it's well worth it. They they can easily get rid of him if he if he hasn't learned his lesson yet.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then uh, you know, the Chiefs in a in a very dominating performance. Um again, they look, you know, on my top five, I still have them number one. Um, you know, I just think they're just the team to beat. And until they are out in the playoffs, they're just the team to beat, no matter what the record is.
1: I agree with you. I'd put them back at number one this week. I think they, I think they became, I could be wrong on this. And I should have double checked before we started. I just saw this last minute, but I think they're the first team that were to have a touchdown on offense, defense and special teams in the same game. And I, I don't know if that's correct. And I think they might've had two defensive touchdowns. I, I should have looked that over again before we get on here, but they, they dominated regardless. Right, uh, right. The offense, Patrick Mahomes wasn't asked to do a lot. Obviously it was snowing here in Denver. And you, you thought the, or the Broncos probably would have put up a little bit better fight. But the Broncos stood no chance in this game. And the Chiefs, they really look like the, the best team in the league, in my opinion. I, I agree. I just, you know,
0: with that offense, if their defense can just be okay to good,
1: they're, they're a tough out. And uh, one quick note on that. We talked last week about Le'Veon Bell signing with the Chiefs. You know what would he do? And I, I believe he had over six yards per carry in that game. I think he only had six or seven rushes.
0: And that's, that's perfect. He... And that's perfect. I mean, that's that's what they want. They're going to want out of him. They're going to use him and the rookie. Um, and this is going to be a tandem backfield. Um, whichever one gets a little bit hot and I get more carries that game. But neither one of them are going to be twenty-five carries a, guy, a, a game unless you get another situation like uh, snow and then a big lead and everything like that happened uh, last week, but just, again, it's a low risk signing. They've got, they can cut him and they still have another good running back. It's not a big deal. That's right. Uh, The Patriots two and four. Uh, I think some of the comments that are coming out of there, Cam Newton said, if he continues playing like that, he would bench himself or something to that effect. Um, So he knows he's not playing well. Um, You know, kind of this talk is, is, and the way Tom Brady's playing is, you know, maybe it was Tom Brady and it wasn't Bill Belichick is is kind of the talk. Um, I just think that uh, maybe Cam Newton played really well those first few weeks and kind of maybe out of his mind a little bit. And this is more close to what he can really do and why many teams didn't sign him. And, you know, the Patriots are, are struggling. You know, Edelman looks a step slower. You know, you knew this would come sometime with the Patriots, and this might be the beginning of, you know, no playoffs, stuff like that.
1: It could be. Uh, two and four is is definitely it's, – it's surprising to see the Patriots of that record. Um, I still think Cam's got some good football left in him. You know, the Patriots are right up there with just about anybody is the worst – probably the worst weapons on offense. Now, whether – does that mean that Cam's got a lot left or not? You know, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. But he is playing with Belichick and McDaniels. It's it's just surprising, uh, two and four. uh, And, again, Cam's on a one-year deal. So if if he can put out some good uh, games here, there's still going to be some places that he can sign for next year if it's not New England. Right. Yeah, there's still a lot of, you know, six games in, there's still ten games
0: left. Um, You win eight or nine of those or even seven, you're just fine. And and. Then they have a decision to make whether they want to sign him or not. Right. Um, You know, Arizona Cardinals winning a wild game there out west um, on Sunday night. You know, just, you know, take Seattle out of the unbeatens. Again, I think, you know, Seattle just didn't play very well overall. Um, I think
1: Seattle's probably the better team, but on that night they were not. Yeah, I believe that's the first time that Russell Wilson has lost to the Cardinals uh, since he's been the starter there in Seattle. And it it was a wild game. There was a bunch of crazy plays in it. Um, Kyler Murray is, like we've talked about, he's just, he's really fun to watch. He's a mini version of Russell Wilson, so to speak. They play a lot alike, you know. Yeah.
0: You know, Russell Wilson's a lot bigger, you know, more refined. uh, But they
1: play the same idea of game. You're right, and it's, it sounds fine to say that Russell Wilson is a lot bigger, and he is, but Russell Wilson is even that big. Right. But <laughs> he is a lot than bigger than State Kyler Murray. <laughs> that's right, he is. Um, so the Cards could be Cardinals could be one of the surprise teams that uh, maybe makes it around the NFC, we'll see. And, again, Russell Wilson had three turnovers, and that, that's not like him. I don't think we'll see that again the rest of the regular season. But, as, you know, I know we always talk about the MVP. He definitely – with that game, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes are right on his heels. So he definitely can have a game like that again as far as MVP goes. And, you know, they're fighting for that number one spot in the NFC playoff race.
0: And, you know, there's another thing with Russell Wilson. He'd, he's always so good on primetime. I mean, his record, I'd have to look it up for sure, but his record on Sunday night or Monday night is just unbelievable. And so it was, again, surprising that he didn't play
1: well. It is. Uh, I was over at our buddy, uh, Taylor Howards. He had some people over for the Iowa game. We were joking around how Sunday night football needs to be changed to Russell night football in America. I agree. I mean, he's good. I mean, it seems like they play on that five or six times a year on that Sunday night because obviously they're on the West Coast. uh, So it's more convenient to have have them as a a late game. And they're good, of course. And you're right. Uh, He's always played really well. But every now and then, even the great ones – have a bad game, so we'll see how they rebound. I expect them to rebound, but we'll, we'll see. All right, and then on, on Monday night, uh, the Bears lose
0: uh, 24-10. You know, a lot of Bears fans are not happy and everything. I, I watched that game. It it really, it really wasn't good, but they had a chance there with that pick uh, by Nick Foles in the end zone. If they score that touchdown there, it's 17-14. Instead, they go up 24-10, you know. Yes, and I mean, they would have been right there again. You don't know. Again, it wasn't pretty or anything, uh, but it
1: wasn't as bad as people think, in my opinion. Okay, so I have to admit, I really didn't watch much of this game. Um, I got back late here to Springs. I was driving all day, and I saw the score. I saw that uh, Foles had a couple turnovers. I was going to tell you, I was going to lean on you for this one especially because – Obviously, the Bears are kind of one of those teams that it's tough to pick. But I did see a lot of people online saying that it's time to go back to Trubisky. And I I think that'd be a mistake this early. I I agree. Um, Actually, there was a a talk radio show out of Des Moines that put
0: up a poll or, you know, brought the question up, you know, is it the quarterback? Is it the play calling of, of Nagy? Or is it just the personnel isn't great? And they're just maybe over playing out of their mind a little bit over their head. Um, And I think it's, again, just like everything, it's a little bit of it all. I mean, it really is. Um, Is Nick Foles great? No, but I do think he's better than Trubisky. So I'm going to stick with Foles. Um, You know, their offensive line is not good. Um, They're having trouble running the football. You know, maybe David Montgomery out of Iowa State there, you know, one of my favorites ever, isn't as good as they thought. Um, But he also doesn't have – a great offensive line in front, so it's hard to, to crush him yet. Um, and then I think uh, some play calling needs to be better, and Matt Nagy needs to do a better job with that. Uh, and, you know, Joe uh, – well, Joe Buck, but uh, – not Joe Buck, but uh, Brian Greasy on Monday night even said that Nick Foles gets play calls and he knows some of those plays won't work uh, because of the time and everything that those – happened So there's a little bit of dysfunction in Chicago. I hope they're getting it figured out because, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you'd have said the Bears are five and two, 95% of Bears fans would have been just fine with that.
1: Absolutely. I, I think most Bears fans would, like you said, um, but after you watch the first seven games, right. Then of course you get mixed opinions and mixed feelings about it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of it has to do with the offensive line more than anything. And then the number two thing I would I would say is it's born the quarterback. I really like Matt Nagy. I I actually hope they keep him around another year. And we'll see if they do or not. Uh, I know he's a little bit on the hot seat, not, not totally like some guys, but I think it really is a lot to do with the offensive line. They were bad last year, and the offensive line doesn't look good this year. So it's up to Matt Nagy and that coaching staff to – come up with plays where they can get the ball out quick where the quarterbacks under a lot of pressure and admitting some runs there. But again, they're still five and two. So it's not time to panic or, you know, jump off the ship here by any in the
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. So that kind of wraps up our, our weekend review. Um, and now let's kind of go to a few injuries. And we talked about kind of the big one, Odell Beckham, Jr. Uh, Torrey's ACL done for the year. Am I crazy in thinking that this might not be a horrible thing for the Browns?
1: No, you're not the only one, and I'm I'm on there with you. A lot I, of people have been I talking even thought about it, that. Before I even read it,
0: before anything, I mean, I know – I just thought to myself, I think he's a big pain in the ass, and it's not all bad. It's a, it's a young team. Um, you know, Baker won't have to hear him in his ear all the time, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball. Um, and they can just –
1: do what they can. I agree with you 100%. Um, it, it sounds stupid to say at first. It does. That, <laughs> but there's a lot of people saying it, and I, I tend to agree with them. A young quarterback, when you have a star wide receiver, they feel obligated or pressured to get them the ball. So you, as a play caller or as a coach, you can call a good play, but the quarterback might be thinking, boy, I haven't, I haven't gotten to OBJ in a few plays here. I, I really need to give him the ball so he doesn't get upset well now that that's that's gone now and if you look at Baker's numbers thrown to OBJ they're really bad it's a, it's his worst targeted receiver that he's ever thrown to over a minimal amount of attempts whatever it is I saw the stat uh, earlier but Baker has a really good connection with uh, Jarvis Landry and Rashad Higgins or Hollywood Higgins as they call him there in Cleveland in the tight end so I I actually think this is going to free Baker up and again Baker's a little bit on the hot seat Uh, they have an easy schedule moving forward so maybe this will get Baker back to just playing football more comfortably spreading the ball around and not feeling that pressure to to force the ball to a star wide receiver
0: yeah I just think you know that's uh, the number one injury and that's the number one talking point Uh, what are a couple others uh, Trevor
1: Again, uh, De- the 49ers, uh, the running backs are getting banged up again just when you thought they were getting healthy. Here come another string of injuries. Debo Samuel is going to be out a few weeks. Uh, again, Zach Ertz with the, the Eagles is still out. And-, and there's a handful of others. Those were the only ones I really kind of wanted to to focus on. I mean, there- there's a bunch that are kind of middle middle of the pack names or lower names, but you know, a lot of people probably won't know of them, I guess I should say. All right. And now kind of the
0: the new segment or new topic of this week, and because we're, you know, seven weeks in and everything, uh, contenders and pretenders. Uh, you kind of came up with this list, and we'll talk about them here. I like these. Uh, all right, the Browns, you know, they're five and two. We've talked about them actually quite a
1: bit uh, so far. Uh, contender or pretender, Trev? So I should have – I'm going to make a little adjustment here on the fly. All right. So we got Super Bowl contenders. Playoff contenders, when I say a playoff contender, I think they'll make the playoffs and maybe win one game. Oh, yeah. That's about it. And then the pretenders are guys that can't make it, or even if they do make it, they'll have no chance. So the Browns are a playoff contender is where I put them. Their uh, defensive back needs a lot of help. Um, they need another pass rusher besides Miles Garrett. So I definitely think they're probably going to get in. They're five and two. They have an easy schedule. Uh, and again, with the Browns, The Browns aren't like the Packers or the the Patriots or the Chiefs who, when they make the playoffs, they expect to to win. It's not about making it. It's about winning and making a circle with the Browns. They've had such a bad history that if they make the playoffs, that's a step in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. All right. And then uh, number two team on your list here, uh, the Buffalo
1: Bills. Bills, same category, playoff contender. But until they get that defense figured out, that was really good last year and I don't know what's going on this year. They're a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. But it's tough to see them win in more than one game. And actually, the Bills versus Browns might be more than a match there. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, the Colts. Pretenders. Uh, Phillip Rivers is old, unathletic, turns the ball over too much. Other than that, I think they have a good uh, roster. But, no, I don't see them doing anything in the playoffs to make it.
0: All right. And then uh, the
1: Chicago Bears. Bears playoff contender. I know I keep kind of probably getting repetitive, but they, you know, they're probably going to go and play the winner of the NFC least as we call them. Right. I think it'll probably be the Eagles, but their offense line's so still bagged up. So again, the Bears are a team where if all the conditions are right. If the defense is playing good, like they usually do. And the offense doesn't turn it over, you know, puts up 24, 28 points. That they just, can hang up a lot of teams. I mean,
0: you know, just like they did against the Buccaneers in the regular season, that matchup could happen again, and he and win 20-19. to 19. I mean, it's got to be that game for the Bears to win, uh, but they can do
1: it. That's right. Yeah, They don't want to get in a shootout with anybody. They will lose every time. Yeah, you don't want to get a shootout with Kansas City or someone. They're, they're not there yet, but they're a team that you have to take seriously in the playoffs. All right, and then uh, Arizona Cardinals coming off the big win over Seattle. I'm going to say they're a dark horse contender. The defense has to keep improving, but Kyler Murray and that offense, they're explosive. And Kyler murrays he's not like anyone that the NFL's ever seen. So if he gets in the playoffs, uh, they could upset some teams with him running around like the little guy that he is. You just, heck, some defenders probably can't even see him sometimes where he's going, let alone keep up with his speed. But they're a dark horse contender to me if they keep playing well. That's, I, I agree. You get – Kind of
0: look back, uh, you know, a lot of years ago now, but Michael Vick going into Green Bay um, with the Falcons and, and winning that playoff game for the, you know, Packers' first loss at Green Bay when the weather's under 20 degrees or whatever that, that well. was. That that's, uh, was a long time ago, but same idea, just kind of a run and shoot and just play and use your legs and you never know.
1: No, I remember that game you are talking about. I think it was 2004. Uh, the Packers never lost at home in the playoffs. Brett Favre was playing. They had uh, – there was a key play in the second half, I think it was, KGB, other well, known as Kabir Gabbajah Biamila. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a handful. He, he was getting ready to sack Michael Vick for a big loss. Michael Vick duped him out, of course, ended up getting a big first down, and uh, the Falcons handed the, the Packers their first home playoff loss ever that year. And, I, again, I think it was like 2004 or something. Uh but the Cardinals are kind of like that team. But that, that's probably a good example right there that you did. All right. And then uh, the Los Angeles
0: Rams, you know. I put them right. Um, I put them. Go ahead. Know, yeah, I just, you know, they played well on Monday night uh, to beat the Bears, you know, and I know uh, going into uh, that game, I think all their wins were against uh, the NFC East, I believe, maybe. I see that. Or am I thinking mm-hmm. a different team? That's uh, so correct. A little bit,
1: you don't know what they are, but you know, they're not too far removed from a Super Bowl. Yeah, I put them right, kind of in the same category with the Cardinals, kind of a dark Super Bowl team. They've been there before with Sean McVay, Jared Goff. Um, I still need to see a few more weeks out of them, but I, I definitely would like them over the Colts or the Bills or the Browns right now, uh, even though they're in separate conferences, of course, but far as these middle of the pack teams that we're talking about. I mean, I kind of underrated them coming in the year, obviously, but they've changed my mind and they have the experience, the coach and the quarterback. So it's it's tough to argue against them. All right. And then
0: the uh, another NFC West, all three of these last teams are NFC West uh, division rivals. And so obviously, they're probably going to beat up on each other a little bit, uh, just because that's the way it's going to happen out there. But uh, San Francisco 49ers, if they
1: can get over their injury issues, um, I like them. Yeah, if they get over their injury issues, they're a playoff contender right now. And I don't even like doing it because Shanahan's a great coach. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's a little underrated. And this is more to do with health than the team, talent-wise. I almost have them. I'm leaning toward Pretender right now. Yeah, they're, yeah, it got, goes yeah, back they're to injuries. Wrong. And they really do. Yeah. It goes back to injuries more than anything. If they get healthy and they rack off some wins, I'll change my mind. But they're so beat up at a lot of starters, it's really tough to see them really doing anything long term as far as the season goes. All right. Very
0: good. All right. And now kind of the Sunday night and really play of the year in football. Um, DJ Metcalf running down. The Cardinals, you know, pick six, um, just, it looked superhuman. You know, the thing that people don't understand is he is 6'4", 230 pounds. He's not, he's not Kyler Murray out there. Uh, And, you know, just, you know, every football coach, every coach in general is showing that to their team and highlights and clips and just effort and then just never quitting on a
1: play but overall, just that shows how good of an athlete he is. That's well, yeah, as good as an athlete he is, and and how much, uh, I guess, heart—if you want to call it—that has. Well, how much he cares. That's it's
0: the complete opposite of what happens in, happened to the Dallas Cowboys. He cared. He he wanted. He knew he had a chance, um, and you know it did.
1: It saved. A, it was a big, big play in that game. It was a huge play. You brought a good example of the Cowboys. Uh, I think week three or four after the Cowboys lost to the Browns, Xavier Woods, their safety came out and said, you can't expect us to go 100% every play. And he got a lot of heat from that from former players saying, you know, come on, man, the game's on the line. You have to really try. Well, that was the biggest play in that game. And honestly, that that may be the play of the year, even though they didn't win the game. Oh, absolutely. I just, I mean –
0: yeah, like, I, I mean it's really unexplainable how good that was. Um, now there's a lot of people that run really hard, and then they realize they're not going to catch him, so then they slow up. And I get that too, but they, they went hard for a while, but they just don't have the talent to do that. Well, obviously he had the talent, um, and the guy he was chasing, I think ran a four-four-five at the combine.
1: You know, so it wasn't a slow guy that he he chased down. No, that was Buda Baker. Uh, I think he's like a fourth-year player now, safety for the Cardinals. And he was running about as fast as he could. And I've, all week I've seen all these memes on Instagram and social media where they keep putting up all these things. And DK Metcalf looks like well, – I was at Taylor Howard's, like I said, this weekend. We watched that play. And it looked like Michael Myers chasing down somebody, like this huge man, DK Metcalf, chasing down this tiny guy and, and uh, Buda Baker. And, I, I mean, that, that's just, like you said, coaches, you coach, preach it every week, you have to hustle on every play. And you, and you see it every week, what, no matter what level it is, whether it's offense or defense. For example, say a running back breaks a run for 20 or 30 yards and a defender comes up from behind and punches the ball out. Right. And sometimes you'll see some offensive linemen or receivers that are hustling down the field, they end up recovering it and keeping the offense on the, on the field. That's what hustle is all about. I mean, those are those are plays that change the outcomes of games. And on that particular one, uh, the Cardinals didn't get any points out of that. They got tackled at the five or four, whatever it was. They went for a score on fourth and goal, got shut down. So that was that's what hustle is all about. And it's good to see people getting paid so much money that there are still some players out there that are going to really hustle when it when it counts. All right, absolutely.
0: And then, you know, next on our list here, uh, um, trade rumors. Um, when is the trading deadline? Is it this coming week?
1: November 3rd, so right after the presidential election. Okay. Uh, we'll see if we trade presidents, <laughs> and then we'll we'll trade NFL players, I guess, sort of speak. Yep. <laughs> um, to a couple that have already happened. Everson Griffin from the Cowboys got traded to the Lions for a six-round pick. That's kind of an underwhelming one to me. Boring, I guess you'd say. Uh, Everson Griffin signed a pretty big contract. Dallas didn't do much. You wonder if he was one of those players that was an anonymous player source that was right. calling out the coaching staff and they got rid of him. Again, the Lions, I think Lions were three and three. Uh, Patricia's coached for his, for his job. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. So that was, I was kind of hoping he'd go somewhere more exciting. But, anyway, he ends up on the Uh The Bengals traded pass rusher Carlos Dunlop to the Seahawks, who need all the help they can get on defense. And I think he's 31 going on 32. He's a guy that averages about six to nine sacks a year. But if you're Seattle, you need all the help that you can get right now. So, I'm sure they'll take it. Um, as far as rumors go, there's a, there's a few teams here we can get into. Uh, the Patriots – their cornerback, Stephon Gilmore, is rumored to be on the trading block. Again, there's, there's plenty of teams that need help at corner. He's one of the best in the league still. And then their wide, wide receiver, Julian Edelman, who's getting older. Doesn't seem like him and Cam have a connection, which is understandable. Uh, so look for, look for them to maybe be traded. The Jets, their defensive tackle, Quinn and Williams, a lot of people think it'll take a second round pick at least to get him something at first. And then, of course, Sam Darnold's been brought up. But I, I don't think the Jets can trade Sam Darnold yet until the draft. Right, you.
0: I mean, Trevor Lawrence, you know, had comments again this week about coming back or, you know, uh, I think he's making a play or putting the the, you know, just kind of the radar out there that I don't want to go to the Jets. I don't. Yeah. Blame, I, I don't blame him. We've talked about this on previous episodes, but I don't blame him either.
1: He did, and I think again. I think if you're the Jets, you have to wait till you figure that out more, and the draft gets closer. Let's say Trevor Lawrence refuses to play for you. Well, then you better have Sam Darnold on your roster, right? Because you'll probably get a lot of draft picks. Say if an Eli Manning situation happened where you do draft Trevor Lawrence, but then you trade him to the the Jaguars or the Vikings or the Falcons or whoever. But at least you've got Sam Darnold still on the roster plus all the extra draft picks. So I don't see Darnold getting traded. Um, I, I think it's way too early. The Cowboys, Amari Cooper's name has come up. They just paid him a lot of money. But, again, I think they're kind of in a rebuild. Texans wide receiver Will Fuller has been rumored to be traded to the Packers. Obviously, the Packers are one of those teams that they're in the Super Bowl mix. They need to get some help on offense. So that's a guy you can look at. Uh, the Vikings, wide receiver Adam Phelan has been rumored to go to the Browns. Browns head coach is Kevin right. Spence.
0: That would make sense. Uh,
1: yeah, the OC is now
0: the head coach there. So that – very familiar with the system. And especially
1: with OBJ getting hurt, that might be a good fit for him. It might be. And I still think that – I think it would be a little bit of a mistake unless they get him for cheap, you know, like a, a cheap round pick. Um I think the Browns need more help on the secondary or another pass rusher with Miles Garrett. So maybe look at the Browns to go after Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots. Uh, The Falcons defensive end, uh, Tack McKinley. He's on last year of his rookie deal. He's he's a decent pass rusher. Again, any of these Super Bowl teams might be looking at him. And then the final two big ones. And this one's more rumor than anything, but it's starting to make a little bit of – uh, since is the Saints trading away Michael Thomas, their star wide receiver. Uh, he got paid a huge contract a year or two ago, it was. and It sounds like he's been nothing but a headache since. He got into a fight with teammates recently, got suspended for a game, or benched, I should say, from the team. And it, it doesn't sound like it's getting any better. Uh, Michael Thomas gets into it with people on social media a lot. So he, he almost has that Antonio Brown thing going on where he got paid, and now he's becoming a headache. Right. So I I think they'll still keep on to him, though, because this is probably Drew Brees' last year. It's the final run. That's his favorite guy to throw to. Um, And then the final guy is J.J. Watt, the Texans. There's plenty of teams that need pass rushers. The Texans, obviously, are, you know, they're not going to finish very well this season. It'd be tough to see J.J. Watt traded. I'm sure the ownership group there in Houston doesn't want to do it. He's the face of that franchise. Obviously, someday, Deshaun Watson will become the face. But up to this point, J.J. Watt's done so much for that community and he's been there so long. It'd be tough to see him go. But he's still got a little bit of game left in him. So, you know, again, these these top eight to 10 teams that we always talk about, those are the teams that are going to be in the mix to kind of pick from the bad teams.
0: Yep, absolutely. You know, And I'm sure in his contract, he'd have, you know, no trade clause or at least have to maybe get talked to before he gets traded or, you know, he's earned that. Um, And, you know, would he welcome a change of scenery uh, just to maybe go win a championship? Because
1: you'd love to see that with him. Yeah, I'd love to see J.J. Watt win a championship. He seems like an awesome guy. He's done a lot of charity work. He's been one of the – one of the really good defensive ends of all time. Uh, He had one of the best four or five-year runs there in history. And, again, these Super Bowl teams that are looking to make a push, if they have an injury or if they just want to add a veteran player to try to do it this year, I mean, that's a guy to pay attention for.
0: Absolutely. All right. Now let's get to week eight here. Uh, A few of the games just kind of talk about here. Uh, First, uh, Patriots at the Bills. I think this is kind of a must-win for both teams. Bills started off really, really well and have struggled the last few weeks. And obviously we talked about uh, the Patriots being 2-4. and Um, You know, the Patriots have had just a complete and utter stranglehold on that division for 20 years, really. Um, Is this the the time where the Bills kind of
1: really take it away from them? I think it might be. But, again, the, the Patriots are desperate right now. So you have to think it's tough to bet against the Patriots when they're desperate with Bill Belichick against a different team with, with Cam at quarterback. Um, I think the bills get the win here, but it's tough for me to say that because the bills offense has taken a step in the right direction, but their defense has taken a step back. And Bill Belichick is usually pretty good against young quarterbacks, but it it's really is a must win for both those teams.
0: Yep. And then, uh, You know, the Raiders uh, go to the Browns. Um, I think a real important game for both teams, Um, you know, teams that have not been good recently uh, but think they are better now and are making those advances, you know, kind of a a David Carr, you know, Baker-Mayfield matchup here. I think this just should be an interesting game, and we'll kind of see who – if the Browns are for real.
1: Yeah, I agree. If the Browns are for both these teams in general, because this is for a wild card spot, you know, I, I don't think that the Browns are going to be able to to beat both the Ravens and the Steelers for the division title. Um, and for the Raiders, they're probably not going to get past the Chiefs. So th- this is a playoff spot game here. You know, whoever wins this, by week 17, this could be a tiebreaker game. So, again, this game is played at uh, at Cleveland. So the Browns do need to win it, but again, the Raiders have knocked off the Saints and the the Chiefs already this year. So they're they're kind of a hot and cold team. Um, Definitely one I'm interested in that might not look really good on paper, but I think it's an interesting matchup.
0: Absolutely. All right, and the Jets and the Chiefs, you know, really this game's not interesting. Chiefs should win by a lot. But the interesting part, um, and you wrote it down here, uh, the Jets are, you know, the Chiefs, or however you want to look at it, 19-and-a-half point favorites for the Chiefs. Um, usually, the NFL is 10 points and under. You know, if it's double digits, it's a big deal. Um, this is almost 20. You know, obviously, it's it's what we think is the best team versus the worst team. Uh, but this is a really big line. And I don't know, maybe you have a few more stats if this is the biggest line ever in NFL history. It's got to be close. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not really an interesting game, but if you had to bet 19 and a half, you know, you can win a game pretty handily and
1: not win it by 19 and a half. Yeah, this is definitely not a game that most people are probably gonna be interested in unless they're a fan of the teams. Um, again, like you said, this is probably one of the bigger spreads in history. I, I don't know. I, that's another thing I probably should have looked at before we get on this call. Uh, 19 anywhere between 19 and 24 it's depending on the site that you're betting on and you, and you could see it either way I mean the Jets they're an NFL team right yeah I'd say they could they could lose 28 to 10 right and still cover or they they could lose like 42 to 3 and it wouldn't surprise you either way I mean the Chiefs are just that powerful on offense so I don't know. It's just an interesting spread. I just put that on there because it's kind of fun to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, you just don't
0: see that in the NFL. Um, right. A, a, a podcast I listen to, uh, Action Fanatics, um, He is. he's a guy that – him. it's a couple guys, but he always bets, you know, if one team is, you know, favored by more than 10 points, he always goes with the underdog because the NFL games just, in general, don't – one, it doesn't happen very often, so that's only – four or five bets a year and then two it just doesn't happen very often the NFL is just set up and we've talked about this in the past it's set up to be even you know and so those big blowouts just don't happen in the NFL very often
1: yeah you you see it from both sides you wonder if the Chiefs after their dominating win versus the Broncos where they just were good on all three phases Maybe they're overlooking the Jets or not taking them seriously. Right. It's still an NFL team. And then from the Jets' perspective, even though they're probably the worst team in the league, they're probably going to have one or two weeks this year where they put up a fight. Right. The players and coaches just – they come up with the right game plan or they just – they give the effort. And they might not win, but they're competitive. Even though they might – they may go on 16. I don't know. But there will still be a week or two in there that they probably are pretty competitive. And, and this might be it. So I, I don't know what to think of the spread. It's just it's interesting either way. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, the
0: game of the week, um, And I think it's really not that close. Uh, Steelers at the Ravens. Um, you know, AFC, you know, kind of sitting yourself. You know, if you're the Steelers, you're still staying on top. Uh, but in our opinion, you know, that that next team below the Chiefs, who is that?
1: Yeah, this, this could very well be the, the second-best team in the AFC, or maybe even the first. Um, Steelers had a, a tough win against the Titans, so you wonder if they can go go to Tennessee and win and then go to the Baltimore Ravens and win.
0: That'd that's be a
1: tough, tough two big stretch. Uh, that's about as tough as it gets in the NFL. But there's a, if there's a team that can do it, I mean, Mike Tomlin, Big Ben, as we talked about, they're as prepared as anybody. Again, the Ravens might be flying under the radar. They had a bye week last week. So they're, it's kind—they're of, kind of easy to forget about. I know you and I have both thought they haven't looked quite as good as they did last year, but they still have one of the best rosters. So we'll see what happens. I, I obviously I think it's the game of the week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Saints and Bears—you know, kind of both teams. You know, they—you know—the record's decent, uh, but they just need to rack up wins, keep getting wins. Uh, they're both—you uh, know—trailing the division leaders. Um, the Bucks and then the Packers. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a – it's not a must-win for each of them, but it's an important game, and whoever wins has a, you know, much like the Raiders and the Browns game, you know, that tiebreaker into a playoff situation and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Both these teams are are sitting second in the division. Uh, the Saints kind of squeaked by the the Panthers – who we've talked about. They're not the best team, but not the worst. And they're trailing the Buccaneers. The Bears are obviously trailing the Packers. Obviously, I think the Saints are probably a little better team, a little more experienced. But I wouldn't be so surprised if, if they go into Chicago and lose. Um, again, I, I think the Saints' time is running out. I think their window's about closed. That doesn't mean that they can't make a run in the playoffs, but I think it's going to be tougher than other years for them. I think they've got some issues going on inside the locker room that we don't quite know about yet.
0: Yeah, I know we, you kind of hit on that with uh, Michael Thomas and stuff. But, yeah, there's lots of, lots of things that happen in locker rooms that uh, doesn't get to the outside. And overall, that's good. Um, that's good for the team to keep it in house and everything. But those, those factors do come into play. And then uh, the battle out west, uh, San Francisco 49ers at Seattle. I expect Seattle to come uh, bounce
1: right back and get a good win here, but it should be a good game. I agree with you. I I think the Seahawks bounce back. Uh, Again, Russell Wilson kind of got embarrassed uh, on Sunday night football. I I don't expect that to happen again. I I don't think they're on Sunday night, but still it's an afternoon game. So, again, if if you're a really good team, you know, a Super Bowl contending team, if you go out there and lose, lose a game, you should bounce back the next week. The 49ers are banged up. The Seahawks are at home. So you think that if Seattle is a team that we think they are, you know, a lot of people have in their top five. I think most people do. Then they should get the win there, but it's it's still a divisional game, so we'll see what happens. All right. That's kind of – that's the end of our list of of things. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about, Trev? Nope. College football wasn't very fun for the whole state of Iowa, so we won't even get into that. And then – here in a couple of weeks, we'll do a master's preview. And we'll yeah, kind of
0: inter- interesting, uh, you know, speaking of college football and the master's, uh, college game day will be at the master's that Saturday morning. I think that's awesome. Um, two of our favorite things, college football and the NFL or, uh, and uh, golf, um, you know, taking advantage of a situation that doesn't present itself every year. Uh, there can't be fans. Um, anywhere, really. They're not having fans at the Masters. They're not having fans at game-based sites. Uh, So a good job by all of taking advantage of a situation that uh, doesn't usually happen. And then kind of, you know, just the other big news out of of here or this area, you know, the Wisconsin and Nebraska game is not happening. Declared a no contest. Um, And so what will that do to the Big Ten West
1: uh, standings in the future? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's pretty cool that game day is going to Masters. I shouldn't say never, but we'll probably never see a Masters again in November. Uh, But we'll see what 2021 brings. I I think it'll be a cool setup. Again, I saw a lot of people online saying it was dumb. It's going to take away from football. I mean, they're still going to talk college football, most of that game day program. They're just going to have one or two other segments in there where they kind of Focus on the Masters. There probably going to be a bunch of ex-college football players that got in the golf after college. You know, all this stuff. They'll probably try to grow the game this way, and then all, of course, the overhead shots of Augusta. So I, I think it's actually going to be really cool. I'm, I'm glad they thought of that. that was something I, I don't think many people even thought. No, it's awesome. I, it is awesome.
0: I really am looking forward to it. And we'll and have, we'll- like you said, we'll have a Masters preview the week leading up to uh, the Masters and uh, give our picks and everything. And so stay tuned for that uh, coming up in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, should be good. We'll see what happens with college football. Uh, Big Ten doesn't have much room to work with, as you just uh, pointed out. So there's going to be teams that finish with ten games played, eight games played, six games played, and we'll see what the college football committee does from there. But, uh, again, it's it's a work in progress, and you have to be flexible here in 2020. Absolutely. All right. Well,
0: thanks again, Trevor, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. All right. See you next week, Morgan. Thank you for listening to Morgan You Asked For a Podcast. If you like what you hear, click the like button or hit subscribe if you want to hear more episodes from Morgan You Asked For a Podcast. Also, if you would like to comment or with any show ideas or anything, please contact me at Morgan, you asked for a podcast at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at Ryan Morgan thirty four.